the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew on the Trivia Show and others, including sitting in this chair when I've been away. Jamal Myers is a Toronto City Councillor, and Sabrina Nanji is here from Queen's Park Observer. Uh, Jamal Myers, if I could just start with you, because this is your first time on a roundtable. Uh, how are you liking uh, Toronto City Council so far? Uh, so far, it's been great. It's been a privilege. Uh, I mean, I, I work with some really smart and interesting people. Uh, the staff have been fantastic, and my community is just amazing. So, so far, it's been great. I'm very, very truly humbled by this opportunity to do well for my city. And I realize nobody's really pigeonholed. We don't have a party system. But at Toronto City Council, let's just ask, are you more inclined to support whatever John Tory brings to the party? Or are you in, you know, in with a few of the other people who kind of give him some, uh, some grief? I'm inclined to work with whoever is doing good things for the city and for my residents. Um, and if I, you know, I find on council, we agree, whatever your political affiliations, 75% of the things we all agree. Um, it's about, it's really about, you know, the 25% of the time where we have maybe sticking points. Uh, and I find, you know, just by getting to know a lot of my colleagues that, Colleagues that I think I have nothing in common with uh, politically, I quite like as people. And I'm sure at some point we'll be working together on something because there will be some topic that our interests will converge on. Okay, well, let's uh, go for a sizzling topic right now. And uh, Jason Agnew, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, We talked to the chief this morning about 80 new police officers who will be in addition to the routine patrol. There'll be 80 extra officers who are going to be patrolling in the TTC. And I think for a lot of people who are sick of the BB guns, the swarming and the stabbings, this is great news. But I also know that in another interview, uh, in another venue this morning, the CEO, or I think the chair of the TTC, was given the gears and being told that racialized people would react very negatively to this. But what's your take? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point, John. I, I do feel like this is a bit of a Band-Aid solution. It doesn't get to the root of the problem. But considering, I mean, I listen every morning. I'm following along with this, and, and I drop off my partner every morning at the subway, and I've never worried about that. And I've never worried about taking the TTC. My entire, you know, 40-plus years living in Toronto, I now worry. And if this is the Band-Aid solution, before we can get into the root of the problem, I am all for it. Yeah, Sabrina and Angie, I think it it obviously depends on what an individual's take on the police is. And some people see a police officer and say, oh, they're here to keep me safe. Others see them and say, ah, they're here to harass me. Yeah, I mean, Jason took the words right out of my mouth. This is a a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. Um, I think, you know, a lot of folks uh, are going to have differing opinions on, on, you know, an increased police presence. Um, And and I think, you know, it would do well for for the police to, you know, keep that in mind, too. But... This has just been a horrifying, you know, week uh, in the TTC, and and I'm a tra- public transit girl, and I, you know, I have to confess that if I can take an Uber somewhere or walk somewhere, I'm doing it, and if I ha- am forced to, you know, take transit, I'm I'm kind of high strung and and you know, giving people looks around me. So so while I I think you know, police presence might be a a good start for some people, we need to talk about the broader issues here. I mean, what's happening in our society with what's happening with our people and mental health? You know, this. This is not not going to be solved um, by just having more cops. And and like you said, this could end up exacerbating the problem with the community. So we really need to get to the root of the issue here. And I don't think this is it. Okay. well, Jamal Myers, you are a member of Toronto's black community. What's your take? 
So I echo, you know, what Sabrina and Jason said. Um, a lot of people have very different reactions to the increased police presence. I myself take CTC regularly, uh, and I have noticed that there is an increasing presence of people who are obviously in some sort of distress. And I agree, this is not going to solve the root issue of people feeling unsafe on the TTC. I, I notice myself where, you know, oftentimes I, I'll, I'll sleep on the train while I'm going home and I, I've been forcing myself to stay awake at night. Um, and it doesn't get to the root issue, which is really the, the housing crisis. So many people are using the TTC as a temporary shelter. They're using the TTC as a warming center. Um, and that's really a policy failure um, from all three levels of government. Um, and we really have to get on this. Otherwise, uh, it's really going to spiral out of control. And I do increasingly worry for the safety of everyone who uses the TTC, whether it's the employees, uh, the passengers, or the people using it for refuge. Okay, but do you, uh, what do you make of the charge coming from not a small portion of the population that uh, police are not actually a welcome presence on the TTC? We're talking about this from a security perspective, but there are people who have a very fractured relationship with police. Oh, it's a, it's a very legitimate concern. I mean, and the data proves this. Um, black people in particular are... Uh, the interactions with their police uh, have a tendency to be disproportionately met with force uh, compared to other compared to other groups. And the police themselves have admitted this. They've already apologized about this. Uh, so this is a fact. Um, on the other hand, you know, black people make up a significant portion of the people who ride the TTC, and we want to feel safe as well. Um, so. It's really incumbent upon the police to understand that they are in a very delicate situation. Um, a lot of people will have eyes on how they conduct uh, these interactions on the TTC, uh, particularly with people in uh, mental health distress. Um, again, it's not getting at the root cause. It is a temporary, very temporary solution. Um, and I really think it's incumbent upon you know, the the public to really make sure that whatever whatever interactions we're having with the police, they're, you know, they're respectful um, and not to, you know, sort of try to exasper exasperate the situation. Okay. Uh, listen, let's move to another thing, and I'll start with you because you cover Queen's Park, um, Sabrina, and that would be the federal environment minister seemingly blue-skying about the idea of interfering with Ontario opening the green belt. And while I would, you know, I'd support anything that would uh, put the brakes on this, I don't think the feds have a pony in this race. Yeah, the feds know this is a political hot potato. And a part of me sees this as just hopping on a bandwagon here. We've got the Auditor General, the Ethics Watchdog launching their investigations. You know, the OPP's anti-racket branch is, you know, still considering whether to launch one of their own. So I think Ottawa knows this is, you know, a, a way to tap into the outrage that a lot of Ontarians are feeling with, with the Ford government's decision to carve up the green belt. Um, will anything come of this? I mean, I don't know, because I'm not sure what the feds can actually do 
at this point? And it sounds like they don't even know. Um, you know, the minister was kind of prompted on this. He was asked by the Narwhal, which, um, you know, they do great work. They're a publication mm-hmm. which has an environmentally friendly bent. Um, but, but he sort of mused a little bit about, you know, an impact assessment or getting into species at risk. So I think for now, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, in terms of, you know, the Ford government and what they could be facing on this very controversial decision, I mean, it's not over for them. And just to have the feds in the mix just, you know, further complicates an already, uh, you know, not good issue for the for the Ford government. Okay, I want to jump to a few other things. And Jason, uh, I don't know if you've ever been audited on your taxes. I certainly have had reviews and contestations or whatever you want to call it. It amazes me the head of the revenue agency in Ottawa testified yesterday that it really wasn't worth looking into $15 billion worth of COVID spending because he didn't think they were going to find much. Really? Well, I mean, I think that they would find something. I think ultimately, though, the question, John, is if they found it and they presented people, you know, with the, hey, you got to give this money back, how much would they actually get back? I think that's the question here. But uh, earlier I was listening and someone said, well, you know what, if they can get uh, even a fraction of this back, it does become worthwhile to do this review. Well, and I know, Jamal, there is a general measure at the Revenue Department. I don't know what it is, but what is worth going after and what is not worth going after. But since they came after me for $400, I think maybe people who are getting $500 a week who didn't deserve the CERB deserve to be audited. Well, I mean, uh, you know, $15 billion is a lot of money. Uh, and to most people, that seems like something worth reviewing. Um, what, there was some confusion uh, when the program was initially rolled out on as to whether or not people were eligible. Um, and I know some of those people did did get audited. Um, so I think it boggles a lot of people's minds sort of hearing that, you know, this this decision not to go back $15 billion. Um, whether or not people were abusing the program and not in, completely ineligible for the $500, I think, I think everyone should agree that those people do deserve to go uh, get audited and that money should be returned to the government. Not a lot of time on the clock, but enough just to ask uh, for, I'll start with you, Jason. This uh, billionaire in uh, Techland who is spending $2 million a year in order to maintain his youth, and it's not about plastic surgery and stuff. I mean, this guy uh, has a very, very complicated exercise and eating regimen, and uh, he apparently, I think this is a typo, gets daily colonoscopies. (laughs) I mean, at our age, John, we both had those, and I can't imagine doing them on a daily basis. It's, you got to keep yourself cleaned out to do that. I don't understand how he does it. I know. Uh, but this isn't living. You know, this is not living at all. I'm going to live. I'm going to get old. And I'm fine with it. Whatever. And Sabrina, was it uh, Freddie Mercury who asked if you wanted to live forever? Do you? You know, it's funny. We spend our youth wishing to grow up faster. And then when we become adults, we just realize there was no rush and and want to turn back the clock. I, you know, not to downplay the challenges of aging, but a small part of me actually wants to do the opposite kind of surgery. You know, the one that makes me physically 90 years old. I could lay in bed all day, have dinner at 4 p.m. I mean, (laughs) there's some appeal there. (laughs) Thank you all. Good to have you this morning on the roundtable. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.